grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Chip Hardwick. I am the new Synod Executive, the Interim Synod Executive for the Synod of the Covenant. That's all the Presbyterian churches included in almost all of Michigan, almost all of Ohio, and a tiny little bit of Indiana and a tiny little bit of Kentucky. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us for worship today. I want to thank your worship leaders and your pastors and your musicians for all the hard work they've been doing to do ministry in such a challenging time. I'm grateful for that ministry, and so the Senate is offering this worship service to give them a Sunday Sabbath, and I hope you'll show your appreciation to your pastors, your worship leaders, your musicians, your tech people, um, for all they've been doing to continue worship in a time of um, difficulty and challenge. 
I also want to thank people from throughout the Synod who have helped put together this worship service. You'll see their names and their presbyteries along the way. So thank them. If you happen to know them, give them thanks. We pray this worship service will be meaningful to you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hello from Mineral Ridge, Ohio. Let us hear these words from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Bless all that I am. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. God keeps every promise forever. God gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. God cares for the orphans and widows. The Lord will reign forever. Praise the Lord. Let us worship God.
It is a lot easier to praise the Lord in song than it is to praise God with everything we say and with everything we do. The truth is that we fall short of what God hopes for us. We sin. We need God's forgiveness. Thanks be to God that we know that forgiveness is ours every time we ask. Let us ask for this forgiveness now. As we pray together, whenever you hear, Lord, have mercy, please respond. Christ, have mercy. God of grace, we turn to you once more, acknowledging that our lives fall far from your glory. We do not do the things you want us to do, and we do the things that you do not want us to do. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Lord, have mercy. Today, Lord Jesus, we confess the brokenness of our society. We are stricken with racial divides, stingy with our resources, and all too prone to violence or coercion. We do not exhibit the kingdom of heaven in our world. Lord, have mercy. O God, Holy Spirit, we confess that we do not turn ourselves over to you, that you would craft us more and more into Jesus' likeness. Instead of living lives of gratitude for the grace you show us, we turn inward and drift away from the paths of righteousness. We battle or ignore you rather than surrendering to you. Lord, have mercy. We repent of our sin, and we commit ourselves again to be slaves of your righteousness. In Jesus' name and by his grace. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Instead of condemning us, Jesus died for us. Jesus rules for us. Jesus reigns in power for us. Jesus prays for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our sin is forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
now words from Psalm 141. I call upon you, O Lord, come quickly to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. I call upon you, O Lord, come quickly to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. I call upon you, O Lord, come quickly to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. As an evening sacrifice. As an evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not turn my heart to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds. In the company with those who work iniquity, do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me. Let the faithful correct me. Let the faithful correct me. Never let the oil of the wicked anoint my head, for my prayer is continually against their wicked deeds. But my eyes are turned toward you, O God, my Lord. Do not leave me defenseless. Do not leave me defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me, and from the snares of evildoers. 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 Hi, my name is Catherine, and I'm here with my grandpa, Bob. Papa Bob. We're going to sing a song for you. It's called This Little Light of Mine. Oh, yes, and my dog Faith is here, too. Hi. In these scary times, we need people to help us. People to shine their lights. Our first thoughts may be of the health care workers, of caregivers, of our leaders, government, nursing homes, restaurants, who must make hard decisions to help us. They are all great, and we thank them. But there are other wonderful lights. It may be a smile, a thank you, a wave, to let someone know you care about them. As we sing this song, remember the lights we have to help each other. People care. You are not alone. If you would like to sing along with us, great. Please jump in whenever you want. We begin with the chorus, This Little Light of Mine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. 
Because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. To what advantage did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Everyone gives their ultimate allegiance to something. When artist and photographer Eric Pickersgall noticed a family at a cafe in Troy, New York, where three of the members of the family were looking down at their phones and only the mother was looking up, and she was looking out the window, wondering if anyone was going to pay any attention to her at all. He was inspired to do a series of portraits, and in these portraits, he took pictures of people with them holding their phones, and then he photoshopped out their phones, just so that we could all see how obsessed we are with these devices. Here are just a couple of his pictures.
Now, I am sure that if Pickerskull followed me around, he would see me doing way worse things with my phone than what he pictured these people doing. In fact, Pickerskull himself says that the, one of the reasons he did it was because he has become too addicted to his own phone. If you look at this last one, though, of these cute kids, you might think if their hands were clasped just a little differently that they were praying instead of looking at their phones. It makes me think that the Apostle Paul might think that we are worshiping our cell phones, maybe that we are enslaved to our cell phones. That's what Paul talks about in this passage from Romans. He talks about how we are slaves to something. Every single one of us, we are slaves to something. Just for kicks, I decided to put into Google, I am a slave to, and to see what the search engine would bring up. There were things like, I'm a slave to fashion, of course, I'm a slave to the music, I'm a slave to my step counter, and I am a slave to food. Now, these days, we might not choose the words I'm a slave to, especially with all the um, attention we're spending on racial injustice these days. We might not think about it as I'm a slave to something. We might say, who is it to whom we give our ultimate allegiance? Paul says we have to give it to someone. So who is the person that we give our ultimate allegiance to? It might be our careers. It might be our financial security. Or These days it might just be the status quo that we're accustomed to when society seems to be changing around us in so many different ways. But the truth is that we all give our ultimate allegiance to something. But of course, that doesn't mean that everything we give our allegiance to is equal or equally good as everything else. That's the point the late author David Foster Wallace was trying to make when he gave a graduation speech at Kenyon College a few years ago. This is what he said. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, then you will never have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. Worship your intellect, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the edge of being found out. Now, I don't know if David Foster Wallace had our passage from Romans 6 in mind when he was giving this speech. After all, by his own admission, he flunked Catholicism twice trying to become a Catholic. But I think if the Apostle Paul had been around to hear this speech at graduation at Kenyon, Paul would have been nodding all the way along. The only difference, I think, is that Paul would have a very specific idea of what God it is who would be best to follow. 
here's the way Paul puts it in our passage from Romans. He says, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. It's an either-or. Our allegiance either goes with God and Jesus Christ, or it goes with sin. Our ultimate allegiance can't be both. It either goes to God and Jesus Christ, or to sin. And in this case, it's not sin so much as the things we do every day, or we don't do every day, but rather sin as the great cosmic force that Paul often talks about, which draws us away from God. Our ultimate allegiance is going to be either one or the other. And Paul's no more indifferent about which one is best for us than David Foster Wallace is. In fact, Paul says that the ramifications are eternal. So what advantage did you get then from your allegiance to sin? The end of those things is death, but now you have been freed from sin and a slave to God. The end is eternal life. You know, we may be tempted to give our ultimate allegiance to our cell phones or our careers or financial security or beauty, but Paul tells us that none of these things is going to give us life. The only thing that can give us life is by having our ultimate allegiance be to Jesus Christ. Which should be good news. But I don't really hear it like good news yet because what it seems to be telling me is that I better shape up and get my ultimate allegiance changed over to Jesus from wherever it is. And Let's be honest, for all of us, I know for me, so many days my ultimate allegiance is so far from God and Jesus Christ. Some days, like today, my ultimate allegiance seems to be on making other people think that I look good. I'm not going to tell you how many different camera angles I tried before I started recording this video. Other days it might be financial security is my ultimate allegiance. I know in a few months my ultimate allegiance will definitely be the University of Kentucky Wildcats basketball team. And I know I'm not the only one who has ultimate allegiances which lead me away from Christ. I bet there are things that worm themselves into your lives too, that even though you want to have Jesus as your ultimate allegiance, it just isn't, that's just not the way it is. So it doesn't feel like good news yet that we need to have our ultimate allegiance be in Christ if we want to have life, but we realize that we aren't there yet. And that's where the last verse of this passage comes into play. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news of the gospel is not that we somehow have to grit our teeth and change our ultimate allegiance before God will reach out to us in Jesus Christ. No, the good news of the gospel is that through grace, God gives us this gift, this gift of life, this gift of switching our allegiance. God speaks this grace into existence. We don't have to somehow um, earn, we don't have to earn the gift that God gives us of eternal life. We do not have to somehow deserve, get our act together so that we can finally deserve the abundant life that Jesus 
has for us know it's a free gift. So no matter where our ultimate allegiance is, whether it's something that we don't even want to admit, something we're deeply ashamed of, something that scares or terrifies us, no matter where we find our ultimate allegiance today, God is reaching out to us in grace through Jesus Christ. The writer and theologian Anne Lamott puts it like this. She says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where we found it, where it found us. We don't have to earn our way into God's grace. And the amazing thing is that once God has spoken that grace into our lives, we become so thankful that our lives change. Uh, we don't have to wait until God has our ultimate allegiance, but once God does, the Holy Spirit uses that allegiance that God is creating in us to make us more and more like the one to whom we have that allegiance. And that's the amazing thing about grace. We do not have to wait until, until we have our acts together, but rather our Lord Jesus Christ comes to us and gives us this remarkable gift. Not when we have our act together, not when everything is finally the way that we want it to be or the way we think will finally please God. But now, that's the amazing aspect of our grace. We're changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, not in order to earn his grace, but because of the grace that's been given to us. former slave trader from the 18th century, John Newton, talks about this amazing grace and what it's like to become more and more like Jesus, two steps forward, one step back, day by day, a long journey, where we look back and give thanks to God for this grace. Here's what Newton says. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the amazing grace of God. Oh 
We are God's children gathered together in different places to be Christ's body, to do the ministry God calls us to where we are and around the world. Everything we have is from God. So let us return to God the offering of our lives, our time, our talents, our treasures, to share the good news of God's love with those in our communities. Let us pray. Holy Lord, you are our imaginative God and creator of all things. You bless each of us daily with these gifts, our unique selves, our time, our treasures. Grant us courage, using us and all that we have given and gathered to feed the world with your love this day and always. Amen. Let us join together in prayer. God, who is with us, we come to you with our joys and our gratitude, with our brokenness and our sorrow, with our fear and our hope. We come to you knowing that you are indeed here with us and that you hear our prayers. God, who hears our groaning, we come before you not trusting ourselves to know how to pray for ourselves. We come before you asking that the Holy Spirit would now be active, interpreting for us the deep groans that we do not fully understand. There are many longings on our hearts these days, disappointments from gatherings being canceled, heartache from missing those we love, and deep lament for a world that is crying out against and from the disease that is systemic racism. God, we are missing something that makes us miserable, and we know not what it is. But we know that we are weak. We know that we are discontent. We know that we are angry and anxious. God, would you show us what we need? Would you show us what is the matter with us? And would you be the one to heal us? Loving God, following Jesus in this world can sometimes be difficult. We are tired. We need you every day, every hour. Speak your love into our hearts. Forgive us for those times when we create more brokenness instead of reconciliation. May your grace abound in our lives each day. Open us to gratitude. God who heals, we humble ourselves before you and we ask that you would be the healer of each of us individually. Help us to know where the poison is. Help us to know how we have exercised power and used our privilege in ways that corrupt us and hurt us. Would you help us to recognize the things that we should have been doing, the things that would have led to our health, that would have built up our vigor, that would have made us more joyful. Help us to be able to recognize what we were supposed to be doing that we haven't been doing so we can do it and experience life and health and satisfaction we pray for the world. A world that needs your peace, a world full of mistrust, abuse, and violence, a world where some cry out from places of oppression, poverty, and prejudice, while others try to plug their ears, look the other way, and walk by quickly. A world often driven by doubt, hatred, and fear. Creator God, help us to live into your joy and hope. May we strive to hear the stories of others, 
those who are different than us, those who we see as strangers, and even those who we believe to be our enemies. Remind us that we are all your children, all part of your family. Open our ears and our hearts to really listen to the voices of all our neighbors. Challenge us when we become judgmental or apathetic. May we remember that the world is not black and white, but complicated, messy, confusing, and beautiful all at the same time. May we be brave enough to hope and risk enough to love. May we not be afraid to be honest and and authentic. May we support and edify one another instead of creating divisions. And may we be bridge builders instead of lawmakers. Lead us to be people of peace. Pour your grace into our lives and send us out with your spirit that we may share your message of love and peace and hope with all our neighbors, that we may proclaim the good news to those who are oppressed, those who are sick, those who have lost their way, those who are misunderstood, those who are living in fear. God, help us to be your hands and your feet, your church, even and especially in this time. Create in us a spirit of hope and guide us that we may live into your call with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. May we proclaim your good news with our lives. God, we trust you. We trust your goodness. We trust your healing. And we trust that when your church is faithful to do the things you ask us to do, that you will surprise us by doing great and mighty things in our midst. Would you help us to exercise faith? Would you help us to wait upon you and to be ready to do all that you ask us to do? And would you allow us to experience freedom as we declare ourselves to be your slaves? These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God who is with us, be with us now. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and with all those whom you love and with all those who feel no love, both now and forever. Amen.